Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. that I just want to hand over to Renier that has his own mic, doesn't need to take mine um, to facilitate the panel discussions for us tonight. We're going to have a couple of couples in front sharing their testimony with us and we'll also select three random audience members to also share something deep and vulnerable from their own lives. Just making a joke, don't worry, we won't do that to you. Um, so I give over to, to Renier and the guys and girls, obviously. Thanks, Brown. And as I am talking, um, the people who are going to share with us are welcome to come up here and low there from the back. I see yeah, everyone's close by at least. So I just want to give a little bit of background of exactly um, what is happening and what we are doing. If you haven't been in, in one of these sessions, we usually do um, testimony sessions once or, or twice a year. But let me just start with what it is not. Like This is not a therapy session for the people sitting here really needs to work through stuff. Um, it's not a place where they want to ask advice and say, yes, like, congregation, please, please help me here. Like, I have this stuff to deal with, and, and I didn't know who else to ask, and now we're going to give them advice. This is, what, whatever is being shared tonight, there's already been victory. It is something which people are, I've experienced, and I've gotten victory from God in that. And I've, uh, God, has, God has told us as a con- congregation that in these truths, which they have learned, there's actually more victory locked up in those truths. And that victory needs to spread to the congregation. Now, that's exactly what we're doing tonight. We're just spreading that um, victory which, which we've got in these testi- by testifying for the rest of the congregation. So there's a, um, there's a verse in, in Revelation 12, and I am very scared of Revelation, so I'll never preach from Revelation, but this is very applicable, actually. In Revelation 12, where it says, um, And they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb. And this we know. This is... People against against the devil, and they said they triumphed over him. We triumphed over the devil by the blood of the Lamb. We're good of this part. Jesus, Jesus died, and then second to that, and the word of their testimony, which is something we often forget. It's not that we have these great testimonies, and therefore we beat we beat the enemy. It's God uses the testimonies which which we we give and which we testify every day, and He uses that to slay the enemy. And that's exactly what is, what is happening here tonight. So uh, a good second verse which, which goes um, hand in hand with that is 1 Peter 2, which says, But your chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special position, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Now, the context here is in the Old Testament, there was a priest who was allowed to speak to God, and then he'll come back and he'll tell the congregation, Listen, guys, so what God says is X, Y, Z. And if you think of, of Moses in Exodus, where Moses goes onto the mountain, and an um, Israelite stay, stay behind, and he comes back with the word of God, and he tells them exactly like what God said. And he is ordained to do that. He's got the, the power, he's got the anointing from God to do that. But in the New Testament, that, that changes. Here in, in 1 Peter, we, we hear that we are all now that royal priesthood. We can now all go to God get word from God, get salvation or revelation or freedom from God, and then come and say, but well, I want to bring this back to you, to my family, to my congregation, to my church, and share these truths so that there can be more victory in it. So although we're very grateful for guys like Brown and uh, Henny who preach for us Sunday in and Sunday out, 
tonight God has just chosen a couple of different faces, but also people who are anointed by God just to come, to come bring that message for us. And the reason why testimonies are, are so powerful is yesterday, um, just here down the road, Sussel Rugby Club was playing against um, Whitbank Rugby Club, and, and there was a guy who broke his knee or got a very bad knee injury, and um, his heart was broken. Not only his knee, his heart was also broken. Because he was lying there in the ambulance and saying that, I trained so hard, so many months. We are three weeks from the playoffs, and now this needs to happen. And he's definitely out for not only the playoffs, but the rest of the year. And his heart was really broken. And while I was sitting there next to him in the ambulance, I, was just, I could just feel this, this, this great disappointment um, in his heart of, it's over. And then uh, I had a, a small chat to him about uh, uh, um, previous Springbok rugby captain, John de Villiers, who also injured his knee even worse than this guy did, and a year later made his return in, in a rugby World Cup. That's a very secular example, but suddenly that guy in so much pain and so much agony got a little bit of hope. He said, yes, that's true. I actually remember that. He actually made a great return, and I think I can as well. And in the moment, a matter of seconds, Heart changes from, this sucks. This is the worst thing which can happen. I'm alone. This has never happened to someone else. My career has ended to, hey, someone else has gone through this. I'm actually okay. We can come out of this. There's a truth behind that, which suddenly brings a little bit of hope. And that is exactly what Testimonies does in this congregation. And we are honored and lucky to be able to have people who has the boldness to say, yes, like, there's a couple of truths which God has revealed to me which I want to share with the, with the rest of the congregation. And no one may feel like, yo, I'm the only one with a broken knee. Or sure, I'm, I'm the only one suffering with this or having to deal with this. But it's actually testimonies and, and great revelation that people in our congregation has already had. Okay, that being said, I've now talked, talked a lot and we haven't gotten to one testimony. Okay, well, half a testimony. That was a rugby testimony. That doesn't count. Um, I just need to sit a little bit higher. Otherwise, it looks like I'm shorter than Germo. <laughs> That is unacceptable. <laughs> it's like if you start laughing now before my jokes, this is going to be great. Um, anyway, so before we get there, there's, if you have to think about, if you are either in a relationship or have been in a relationship, every relationship has got, well, hopefully two people, but one person who's the spender and one person who's the handbrake to the spender also known as the boring saver, so it is in some relationships, but just basically the handbrake to the spender. If you are the handbrake, put up your hand and feel very responsible. If you are the handbrake in the relationship, yeah, there's not a lot of them. Eh? Now what bothers me is I see relationships here and neither put up their hands. <laughs> like those are the rich people. Like if, you, if neither put up their hands, they're just both spenders. Like who needs seven credit cards? Um, so... In every relationship, there is, or most relationships, there's someone who's a little bit more reserved and so, someone who, who spends a little bit easier. But the truth is that that comes out of different places. There can be someone who's, who's a big spender and that comes out of a place of, I deserve this or this is mine or whatever the case may be. There can always also be someone who's a big spender and that comes out of a completely different place. I want to place the person next to me and, and I have to say to or you have to say to your wife, it's like, you can't buy the seventh gift. Like, it's not even their birthday. Like, come on. Um, but the truth is, buying or not buying is not a good or a bad thing. That's not what we're addressing tonight. What we want to get to is, what is the truth in my heart? Where does that originate from? 
Now, Alvin and Lena want to like throw you guys on the onto the spot there and say like between the two of you, okay, or, or by pointing, you can either point to yourself or the person next to you. Like, who's the responsible one when it comes to the money? <laughs> okay, so I just wanted to see if they're in unity, otherwise we'd have stopped right here. Can you give us a little bit of background of how that, how that looks in your life and how that has materialized for you and walking from, from there to here, like, what have you experienced? Yeah, yeah thanks, Renit. Um, yeah, I think this can be quite a big subject um, if you don't sort it out quickly because I think especially if you have two spenders, then you're just not going to have any money left at the end of the month. <laughs> so um, when me and Edeline got together, so that's something we had to work on because um, I was the one more like looking for the specials and uh, she was more in the point of, well, I'm got blessed with all this money, so um, I'm entitled to it. So it's much easier to spend the extra rands on. Um, so the the um, samples, if I just use an example, like um, I'll buy the mushrooms that's not cut. And she's like, no, I don't want to cut the mushrooms, but it's just five rand. Um, so that's something that then obviously gets into an argument <laughs> um, that we had to work on. And um, I think just coming to a point and if you change your mind shift in the point of um, it's actually God's money and uh, he entrusted it to you even if you're placed with in abundance like you're not even have don't have to worry that much about it but still not just throwing it around and just not worrying um, and then from Edulin's point of view she had to um, work on being submissive in that point of view um, and whenever she goes shopping she says she's got this she's, even if I'm not there it's as if I'm there because she, she knows she has to think of all this so um, I think yeah that just looking back on that it was quite a journey and now we can keep each other accountable especially when it comes to luxuries um, like is it ne really necessary or is this now just because you think, oh, well, I've got the money, I can just spend it. But um, really just you know, thinking about it and knowing that it's God's money that he trusted you with. Um, so I'm just reminded on the verse in Luke 16, verse 10, it says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Um, and it goes on to verse 11, and it says, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches? So, um, yeah, I think that's just something that's, that we've been working on. Yeah, and I just want to emphasize on, on what you say at the end, Alvin. And God, I had a, a, a very interesting relationship with someone in the week where God just revealed um, a, a truth to that person, which you are also touching on, where he said, uh, where, where someone else told this person, he said, um, I did not become, oh, let me just give the context. So the one person was, is, is got quite a lot of money, and the other person feels like he's, he's not God's favorite. He says, when God decided who he, he wants to look after, I wasn't one of them. Um, and one of the reasons is because God is not looking after him financially. And then um, the whole conversation rounded uh, around um, giving your uh, tithing. And the guy who's got quite a lot of money said, I don't give a lot because I have a lot. I give a lot because I decide. And that for me was such a big truth. And after a very, very long conversation where we can't get to a, a point in that conversation, we can't get to a point where the, where the person understands, like, God loves everyone equally, suddenly this truth hits home. Where he says, I don't have a lot, 
but I give zero. And if I have a lot, I'll probably still give zero. And what you say here is exactly that. Like God says in Luke 10, he says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. That's, that's the, the verse Alvin just read to us. And what I, what I just learned from that conversation with, with you guys, as well as with this guy in the week, was that God just said, what, what do you have? If you have a little bit of time, if you have a little bit of money, it doesn't even need to be financial. But if you have a little bit of time, a small gifting, I will only entrust you with more if you prove to be a loyal and faithful servant with what I've given you at this point. And I remember, um, where's Brown? Brown's left us. Um, but I, re- I remember when, when I just joined the church, Brown was here, not as a pastor, not even as a 2IC to a pastor, not, not even in the line of being the, the next pastor, but what, what Brown did is he had two hands and he was sweeping the floor every Sunday before the sermon. The sermon. And I remember I came in here one Sunday and I thought, it's like, I wonder who asked this guy to do this? Like, because this is like every single Sunday. And it turned out no one. Because that's what he had. All he had at that point was a heart who recently came to God and two hands. And that two hands will be used. And now he's sitting here seven, seven and a bit years later. And God said, you were loyal and faithful for what I gave you then. I'm now entrusting you with more. And that more is the entire congregation. And it is such a great example of exactly what you're um, talking about, Elvain. And I just wanted that truth to, to stick with us in, in the rest of the congregation as well. Because there are the lies of, the, the, the um, society teaches us lies that you, don't, you will give much when you have much. And that is, that is just a lie which, we'll, which you need to capture now. One of the other lies, or there are actually many lies, but one of the other lies which society also tells us is, hate your mother-in-law. And okay, no, I'm just kidding. That's not, that's not really what it comes down to. <laughs> But that is, Edelina, I'm going to pass this ball to you because I caught myself in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in trouble now. So I'm just going to pass this one to you and say, how much do you love your mother-in-law? <laughs> sure, thank you. <laughs> um, now, I actually want to pass the ball to you guys and just start off with the question. Um, just if you hear the word mother-in-law or in-laws, what picture comes to mind? What feeling comes to heart? Just take... 10 seconds and quickly share it with the person next to you. (laughs) So, um, yeah, for me, before we got married, um, I would tell everybody, and I really believed it, and I still believe it, and that's really the truth, that I'm very blessed with the in-law, the family I got um, with Alain, <laughs> um, but also with my mother-in-law. Um, she's, she's gracious, she's kind, she's loving, she accepted me from the beginning. Um, she's not meddling, but she's always there to help, like really the best mother-in-law I could have ever hoped for. And um, before we got married and even after we got married, that's what I told everybody and all my friends and that's what I believed and that's the truth. But that was my conscious truth. So unknowing there was the subconscious beliefs or lies that I had that I, don't, I was totally not aware of this. Um, and we all know the mother-in-law jokes, um, the stigma that the world gives us, um, the Movies like Monster in Law, <laughs> I don't know who have seen it, but 
the world paints this picture that your mother-in-law is someone who's out to get you, someone who hates you, someone who wants to steal their son back from you. Um, and that's not the truth, but without knowing it, I was these lies was rooted in my heart because of the influence that the doors that are left open. And we none of us are perfect, like we all sin. And obviously, my mother-in-law is great, but she's not perfect. So sometimes she would make a mistake or she would do something and I would take offense for no reason. Um, but every time that happened, that seed started growing and that lie started becoming more and more reality in my life. And eventually it came to a point where I was sort of telling myself this stuff about my mother-in-law, working myself up, getting angry about nothing <laughs> and without realizing it until one day God came and he showed me like, this is the lies. This is not the truth. And um, you know, it got even sort of between us because we would fought about that because he didn't understand why I would be so negative about them because there was really not a lot of reason um, or actually no reason at all. I just fed myself these lies and lived, lived in these lies. And you know, once the Lord showed me that, I had to work hard on it. I had to break down these lies sit at his feet, lay down, and be attentive to my thoughts. And I also had to have a conversation with him, asking him to, to help me when I take offense, when I get angry. Just help me with the truth. Gently show me the truth so that um, I can see the truth and not be blinded by all these lies. And sort of to um, trust the Lord to come and remove these lies. And yeah, so that the relationship can be repaired. And it really is. It, um, yeah, nothing has changed. They didn't change, but it was my heart that needed, needed to change. And yeah, so today, what I really felt the Lord um, had on, or laid on my heart for, for the congregation and for us is maybe it's not your mother-in-law, maybe it's not your family-in-law, but if you had a negative picture, even if, especially if you're not married yet, um, and you thought about a mother-in-law and there was a negative picture, take this lies and break it down. But also to go and ask the Lord, what is the lies that the world planted in your heart without knowing? Ask him to show it to you so that you can break it down and live freely from it. Lina, I want to ask you two questions on, on exactly that. If I tell you, I'm going to lie to you now, Oh, and then lie to you, then it's identified and you can address it. And you can tell me, I don't agree with that, or whatever the case may be. But if I don't tell you, I'm going to lie to you. How do you share with us the process of understanding there is a lie in my heart? How do we, if it's not necessarily mother-in-law related, if there's lies in, in any one of our hearts, because there are in mine as well, how do we start the process of identifying those lies? Yeah, you know, it's not a easy, <laughs> a easy route to take. I think um, if you see patterns of stuff that happens, like me taking offence in my situation, I'm taking offence, keep getting you know, offended or angry for little things or things that doesn't make sense. But also to open your heart and to actually have the guts to go to the Lord and ask Him, show me, because without the help of the Holy Spirit, it's not that easy. It's it's not just going to come to you. Um, and also to have, if you have someone close to you, to trust them because they can see these things in our lives that we don't necessarily do. Yeah, no, thanks. And I completely agree with that. Is God also shares of in Jeremiah where he says, or Jeremiah's prayer where he says, God come and 
seek my heart, like come and look into my heart. And then the second question which I want to ask you is, how does the process then look? Okay, now I know about this lie in my heart, like how do I fix this? Um, is it uh, just like, God fix me, there we go? Or how does the process look of getting through that? Um, yeah, definitely not just the one sort of thing. So it is a continuous thing of prayer, but also a continuous renewing of your mind and also accountability. That's why I had to have this difficult conversation with Alvain, um, lay down my pride and tell him, listen, this is what's going on in my heart. Please help me to see the truth. But then, um, you know, the renewal of your mind, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, and as soon as you get that negative thought to not follow the temptation to go in this negative spiral, but to then then break it down and speak the truth. Uh, I completely agree with that, and I just want to affirm that with, with the word as well in Romans 12 verse 2, which you've touched on just now, which says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to taste and approve what God's will is. He is good, pleasing, and perfect world. And that is exactly what God says. Like, come and, come and pray the prayer of God, come and renew my mind. It's not always easy. It, sometimes it's actually extremely difficult. Come, come and renew my mind. But listen to the second part of the verse, the fruit thereof. It is, and you will be able to taste and approve what is God's will. And that is exactly what you are testifying of. Because you know God, you could have acquired the lie, you could have identified the lie and put it to the test and, and therefore defeat, defeat the enemy by dismissing the lie. And like you so um, right, rightly say, for you maybe it was a mother-in-law lie. But for us, it might be anything else. I'm not worthy. Um, this person is not worthy. That person is not worthy of me. Or I will never be able to. Or unfortunately, our family is just. Or whatever that lie may be. There are lies in, in all of our lives. And, and that's exactly how we identify it. With the Romans 12 is 2 prayer. God, help me to transform my mind. Although it's not always easy. Because the world invites us into lies. It's easy. I remember that you can be anything you want. You just put your mind to it. I want to be six foot five. Like, watch how I become six foot five by putting my mind to it. Like, it just doesn't happen. So that's a that's a lie we all love to tell. Like, you can become anything. Just put your mind to it. it. Sounds beautiful, and it also originates from a good place, generating hope. But it's a very simple and a very easy lie, and we just get invited into that so so easily. But also, these invitations aren't always negative. There are also very good invitations in life. I remember a story of um, uh, a good tennis player, Rafael Nadal, which he, when he explained, he said, he still remembers the day as a four-year-old when his uncle asked him, do you want to come play tennis with me? He remembers that day now that he's 30-something, 30 36 years old. He still remembers that specific day. He's been world number one, the best tennis player in, in the world for, for many years has won Grand Slams, and he remembers the day when there was an invitation directed to him saying, you want to come play tennis with me. And so the invitation is going to be positive as well. And Jan Loa, I know that you have had one of these invitations. Like, you have also seen that. Um, not necessarily onto the tennis court, um, I think. <laughs> um, but into God's world. And will you just share with us a little bit of how does that invitation look in your life? And there... What is, how does that then snowball further after having that invitation? What did you do with that invitation? Good evening. In 2016, um, 
Someone invited me to Shafat Church here. I was sitting there at the back uh, where Henny is seated. And um, it was in a time that I really needed God. I had no hope. Um, <clears throat> I struggled with um, relationships and um, my work. I didn't enjoy my work. And it was really, uh, I think people can use the term a dark place, actually. I didn't feel loved. And um, yes. So. Someone invited me, and I just found that the Lord is telling, someone is telling me, you need to come. So I arrived here. I was sitting there at the back. And since then, the Lord worked through my life. He worked in marvelous ways, and I can give him thanks today. Um, while I was sitting there at the back, um, he, you know, um, Banner were preaching, and he said on one stage, if you need prayer, please raise your hand. And... Um, I was sitting there, and the first time I said, no, I'm not going to do it. Second time, I'm not going to do it. Third time, I'm not going to do it. And then I heard a little voice saying, it's okay to do it. So I raised my hand up like this, and sure, something wonderful happened. It was like, I describe it as a feeling. I just felt something was removing, no, something left me. It was so, I felt peace, and I felt love. And... Um, I prayed and I felt this hand on my shoulder and I felt God's love. And I thought, hi, I just want to know whose hand is so warm and loving. So after the prayer, I quickly looked behind me and there was literally no one. <laughs> so God revealed himself to me. And since that day, he worked in my life. Um, he helped me to um, gain love and trust. He helped me to start serving in church. He helped me to start praying. Um, I've got a love for prayer and um, the Lord helped me through a lot. So that's why I always encourage people to pray. I also intercede for people because of, I, because of what God did for me. And I will encourage everyone to just take the invitation. If someone is asking you, come to church, go do it because God got an invitation with you and don't struggle with anything. Oh, don't be um, scared, because the Lord knows what he's doing. Um, yes. And I just want to add on to exactly what Jan Lowe says there, in the sense of God, in God invites us to in different ways, but not only the church. Like, uh, I remember a day so well when um, someone is also in the, in the morning service, how he tells a story, he says, the way he came to salvation is he went to work, Someone walked up to him and said, do you want to come to church? He said, yes, he came and he gave his heart, his heart to the Lord. Like, boom, stock standard. But there was an invitation. And, and, but before the invitation of come to church, there was an was initial invita invitation. An invitation of God on the other person's heart saying, I invite you to go ask that person. That was the first invitation. There were two invitations that day. And often the first invitation is, is one in our hearts. Someone is already sitting in, in the church benches saying, this person is the person I want you to reach out to. That person is the, is the person which really needs love and really, really needs help at this point. Um, and I, I'm sure if I, if I open the, the floor now for more testimonies like that, there will be a lot of people who say, it's like this one day I just went and spoke to this person and it meant so much to them. Or one day someone came to me out of the blue and it meant so much to me, I just needed an ear to listen. And that is because there was a, there was a first piece of obedience to, to that specific um, invitation which God placed on our hearts. And for some, it is like Jan Lowe described, my life changes because accepting that uh, invitation. But for some, all the lives around us change 
because of us accepting that invitation. And I just want to encourage us by testimony which you bring in, like, for us, for, for all of us, to commit to that, to commit to responding to that invitation. Because no good idea has ever become a success without taking action on it. But then in addition to that, you know, there's also, after you accepted that invitation, the, the foundation was laid for you to walk a different road with God and for God to come to, to minister to you in specifically the month where we are in now, in relationship month. So after your, in, your acceptance of that invitation, how did the, the road forward look for you on, the, on relationships? Um, because the Lord um, taught me how to pray, I really got confidence and I really believed that by giving God something that I trust, uh, I trust him with it and he was doing his will and God's will is the perfect will, the perfect way. Um, yes. Um, so um, someone gave me in 2018 um, a little um, board to hang on my wall with Jeremiah 29 verse 11 on it. And I know everyone knows it's a well-known verse, but the part that always we always know is, I know the plans I have for you, the dear Lord, the plan to prosper you, um, not to harm you, a plan to give you a future and hope. And that was something that the Lord really spoke to me. And um, because I took that, I decided, God, you know best, I'm giving you everything. And the relationship, because I've been, I've been um, ready to get married by the age of 23. So He's not 24 now. He's I'm 37, so I've been waited a long time. <laughs> but um, I trusted God with that. Um, from um, 2016 on, I've prayed a lot, and the Lord spoke to me, and He told me that um, before you can can before I can trust you with a wife, you need to become my bride. I want to be your bridegroom, and I want you to be the bride. And if you are willing to be the bride, the bride, I will transform you. And when I um, when the time is ready, I will give you your wife. And that was good enough for me. So I said, even if I have to wait six years, and I've waited almost six years, um, but it's, to, it's worth to wait because if you ask God and you take time to listen and you obedience and you, you follow God's will, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. And then even a six years don't feel like six years. Can I say something else quickly? Okay. Um, I know time is limited, um, yes, so, okay, so for, I'm just going to give example of two, of two um, ways God um, helped me. Um, the first relationship, there was two relationships that the Lord really used um, to taught me um, a lot of good things. First one, in um, 2019, you know, I met a girl, um, it was a daughter of one of the teachers at school and she was staying in the Cape. So we started a um, voice note, a voice note relationship because we decided we're not going to write messages, we want to hear the voice. <laughs> so in September that year I went to visit her and there the Lord taught me two things. I'm not going to go into detail but the first thing he showed me what it means to really intercede for someone, how to pray for someone, and he gave me an opportunity to pray for her without she knowing it. And the morning, the Lord said, pray for this, and I had four points. And in the afternoon, when she got back, I asked, how were your day? And she said, something strange happened. 
So the four things that happened was the things I prayed for. So the Lord showed me that in a relationship, you need to be able to pray for someone. And at the end of that relationship, he also told me that although it didn't work out, he wanted to show me that um, I was so excited to see her. Even though it wasn't a serious relationship, it was excited knowing. She's trusting me with a car. I can um, go and view Table Mountain, all the areas around there. But half past four, I'm going to see her. I was so excited. So the Lord showed me that I'm ready for a relationship. I'm ready for that feeling of someone is coming home or I'm waiting for someone. So that is wonderful. And um, the second relationship um, started 2020 and it ended last year. But the Lord taught me two things again. First of all, yeah, um, he showed me that um, yeah, it's okay to be able to change your heart, or not change your heart, but um, in a marriage, in a relationship, um, you must be able to, willing to give something up or to change, make changes because um, you, no one is perfect. And oh, now I need to note because now I can't remember the word. Um, okay, so. So he taught me um, how to change for the good and what he, and to, to be able to identify when it's good, when it's bad. So in that relationship, he taught me that I don't have to change things that's making Jan Low Jan Low. So if I need to change myself, the good of Jan Low, then it's not what he wanted. Um, so now in the next relationship, I know exactly how to be myself. I know what I need to change and what not to change because God is guiding me towards it. And it's also now I'm in the season of making room for a lady in my house. So all the stuff that I don't need, I'm getting rid of because the Lord showed me two years ago, the bride is coming towards me. So she's here and I'm so excited. And now the rest of Jeremiah 29. So years after I received that board, verse 12 and up to 14 stood out for me. Then you will call on me and come pray to me and I will listen to you. What did I do? God said, start talking to me. So I started to talk to him. He listened to me and he started talking back. You will seek me and you will find me. That's exactly that. I seek God and I find him in a dark place. Um, with, you have to seek him with all your heart and, and that's what I try to do. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. So he freed me from a lot of stuff. Um, I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have um, banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place. Um, yeah, so this is, uh, yeah, so it means a lot to me now because I can see how the Lord has changed me, how he has formed me, and I just have to be obedient. So I want to end off by saying everyone needs to Take, if you've got an um, invitation, take it and take a chance with God because he is willing to change you. He will change you for the good. Thanks, Anlo. And I just want to quickly want to capture everything you said because I feel like so bombarded with all the truths and all the good things which, you, which you've shared. I just want to capture that in a nutshell quickly. The first one was say, uh, say yes to the invitation. Um, even, even in the extreme left brain community, if you want to work out should I or shouldn't I on a statistical method and say, if I say yes to God and nothing comes of it, 
what did I lose? Probably nothing. If I say yes to God and my entire life changes, it will be for the good. Because as you have shared with us, the plans, God says, the plans I have for you are prosperous. But just after that, in verse 12, the often forgotten part is also an extreme, extreme truth. It says, because you will come to me and pray to me to hear my voice. And that is often a part which is forgotten when we hear that God has got such prosperous plans for us. Because he has got prosperous plans for us. But how do we get ourselves in the position to experience that plan? We do exactly what Jantelow testified of now. You react upon God's promise by praying, spending so, so much time with him. And that is, that is one of the, the major truths. And then um, I just want to add something to, you, to your story, Jantelow. Um, a conversation which I had with... I can't, can't even remember the person, but with, where a girl said, like, she remembers how often her dad told her that I'm praying for you to get a good husband. I'm praying for you to get a good husband, a pure husband. She, you told me. You look like you told me. Like, but where the girl just kept on telling the story and saying that, I remember my dad telling me this so, so often. And then she said, Un- unknowingly, a small lie entered my heart. Like we, told, like we said earlier as well, this invitation, this one was for a lie. And that lie was, that person better get his act together. Without knowing it, great, great thing that the father did. I'm praying for your husband. But she said what she would have loved was, if that was followed with, and I'm praying for you to be a fantastic bride for him as well. And that is not only in relationships. We can draw this parallel, this parallel to many, many aspects of life. God, please give me this job, please give me this job, please give me this job. The second part of that is, God, please please prepare me to be the best possible person which you want me to be for that job. And you can continue and and labor this point on many, many different aspects of life. Um, And like Jan Lowe testifies on his side, where, where God comes to grow him into that position where he is now ready and he sees the bride coming. That is true for us in many aspects of life. We say, God... Not only do I pray for that thing to come, but prepare me as well, prepare my heart as well, to be in the perfect position to be able to utilize that or to be used in that situation. And we need that, that strength, which can only come from God. We need, that, we need to have the, the courage to say, like, God, yo, I don't know if I want to be grown into that position. I just want the thing. And we can't do that. We need that to, to um, tap into God for that courage. And I don't want to know if... If I think about strength and courage, then, then I immediately start thinking of you. I immediately start thinking of your, of your marriage and preceding your marriage. Would you, since we're all on the strength and courage topic now, would you share a bit, little, little bit for, uh, with us of, of how strength and courage came out for you and how that dependency on God comes through when you depend on him for this consistent strength and consistent courage when you're building a relationship? Sure. Um. Yeah, I just want to start off by saying, like, I really admire these testimonies that you guys have shared. Um, don't they just, do we serve an amazing God, ne? Like, how awesome is he not? Um, ne? Okay. So, um, yeah, so I know that a lot of people who hear our story will respond like what Renir says, like, sure, you guys are so strong, you're so brave. Um, but that's really, really an amazing gift um, and a big grace that God has given both Garmo and myself. 
Um, and, and we really give the glory to him for that, um, because out of ourselves, we are not, <laughs> not that. Um, so, um, I've seen karma cry twice. Yeah, he's in touch with his emotions. <laughs> it's a good thing. Um, yeah, so um, I think I, yeah, the, the part about the story is that you guys must actually all, like in different groups, come and visit us and then block out like at least three hours. Um, come and have a meal with us because our story is a long story and the boxwood in me um, really needs to give you all the detail. Um, <laughs> so I have a few minutes um, and I won't be able to give all the detail um, but I really just want to extend that invitation. Um, you guys are more than welcome to reach out to Garma and myself and say, hey, can we come eat wings at your house or whatever? Um, because we really love sharing this story because it's God has done just such an amazing work over and over and over. Um, so I came to Sukuna in 2017. I'm originally from Zimbabwe. I went to school there and then I came to South Africa to study um, and I was in for quite a while and then I came to Sukuna in 2017. Um, I came here because I knew there was a shofar here um, and I was in shofar in Sukuna so I'm like that's my family, show family, show good. Um, so um, it was probably about a year after I came to Sukuna that Garma and I started a friendship. Um, I went to watch Survivor at his house Every Thursday, not Renier's Survivor, Werner's Survivor, so hashtag Danke Varys. Um, and um, yeah, there was a friendship that grew out of there. Um, and in that time, um, probably a couple of months before that, God had started a really deep work in my heart, just bringing healing to a lot of brokenness um, that I had in me. Um, I experienced a lot of rejection and a lot of deception and stuff, and I was caught in some pretty serious sin, um, even though I was saved and coming to church and etc. Um, but God did a really amazing work um, just over a couple of months um, and sort of in that time Garma and I's friendship started. Um, and when the friendship started, um, I was cautious because I was like, I don't want to be distracted from what God is doing in my heart. Like, I don't want to miss out on what he's doing. I know what he's doing is so significant and it's amazing. Like, the way that he is showing me his love and his grace is just like, I don't want to miss this. I don't want to be distracted by, ooh, does he like me? Um, where's this going? Um, us girls get like that, you know, or at least I did. Um, yeah, so it was really important for me in that time to to ask God to be in control of my my thoughts and my emotions. Um, and yeah, the Lord was really faithful. He really created a very safe space for me to build a friendship with Garmo and to get to know Garmo in in a very non-demanding way. Like there wasn't pressure of where's this going. Um, God actually was was really faithful um, through a prayer that a friend of mine prayed over me. Um, I was at a point where I was like, but where is this thing going? Like, 
what's going to happen? Because Karma is not telling me anything. We're just having this amazing friendship where every Thursday I go and watch Survivor and it's a lack of conversation. Um, and I, I think I sort of like him, but yes, I don't know if he likes me. And where's this going? Um, and God was really faithful to tell me, Molly, you don't need a yes or a no, just trust me. Um, and so I said, okay, God, I'm going to give you my heart and entrust my heart to you that you will protect it and that you will lead it. Um, well, yeah, I want to ask you there, like, how does that look practically? If, if you say, yes, God, I'm confused by this, and then you, then you say, God comes and he says, well, I just wanted to trust me. How does, how does that process look? Because for all of us, especially I know for myself, it is it's a difficult realization to come out of unsurety into, oh, I just have peace. Um, yeah, so it's a it's a constant thing. Um, it's not like Edeline said, it's not a once-off thing. Um, so God spoke to me. He gave me that word. Um, Molly, you don't have to know yes or no, just trust me. Um, and so when my mind goes to, oh, what's happening? What does this mean? What's going to happen here? Then I needed to make a choice. Um, and I'm so grateful that the Holy Spirit empowered me. He was so faithful to empower me um, to be able to make that choice that when my mind goes there, when my emotions get all worked up, I can say, okay, Lord, I'm giving you this emotion. I'm giving you this thought and I'm holding on to the truth that you have said, I can trust you. I don't have to wonder about what is going to happen here. I can just have a good friendship and trust that you are going to work this out the way that you want it to. Um, so, yeah, and, and to, I think also a big thing was, um, to find my, um, satisfaction in God. Um, so that was part of the work that God was doing in my heart also was to be delighted in him, to, to find love in him, um, to, to spend time in worship and, um, to receive that affirmation from him and not from people. Um, yeah, does that answer your question? Can I continue? <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> yeah, so then um, a few weeks after that specific word, um, so, yeah, see, it's like, um, I was very aware um, of the fact that my family um, does not approve of relationships between people of different color or of different culture. Um, so even though I knew that this friendship was growing and I wasn't sure what's going to happen with this friendship, in the back of my mind there was this thing of, if something does happen, how am I going to tell my dad? Um, I think Adam's got a photo of my dad, so those of you who haven't seen it, you're going to see it. But my dad is a very traditional Afrikaans Buddha um, and he has a solid relationship with God, um, but he does not believe that mixing races is godly. Um, it's his principle, and um, he is a very principled man. Um, he is not somebody who is tossed to and fro. He believes something, and he sticks to it. Um, and that, that, that was really an amazing quality of his, um, but it posed a little bit of a concern for me. Um, so my parents are against that, and um, a big portion of my family 
um, whom I'm close with here in South Africa, were also against it. So I was very aware of this. Um, and that's also something that I had to take to God. And I had to say, okay, but God, what is going to happen here? Um, and even though I didn't know what was going to happen, I felt God tell me that um, he wants to use this. If there is something that's going to happen between Garmo and I, that he wants to use this to bring glory, glory to himself. He wants to use it to work in their hearts. Um, because there's a lie that a lot of people believe, um, not only regards, regarding racism in the sense of um, having an us and them mentality based on somebody's skin color, but even if you ask yourself, there's an us and a them in your mind as well. It might be based on money, it might be based on the kind of work that you do, it might be based on how you talk, it might be based on the color of your hair, it doesn't matter. Um, we all have those things in our hearts where we kind of think, I'm a little bit better than this other person. I'm a little bit more entitled to God's grace than this other person. And we won't outright admit it like that, um, but that's the lie that we believe. Um, and so for a lot of um, people, they they think that. Um, so, yeah, so that was a concern that I had. Um, and then, about three weeks after God told me yes or no, you don't have to know. Um, it was actually after Alvin and Edeline's wedding. Um, Garma and I had spent the, the, the evening together um, and it was a really nice evening. La 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 la. Nothing pro improper happened. Um, but I really, it was really just such an amazing time. And I went, um, I went home and at one o'clock at night, I said to God, I know that you said, I don't need to know yes or no, and that I can trust you. But I really like this guy. Um, and God gave me this picture of me holding my heart in my hands, um, like anatomical heart. Um, and in, in the vision that God gave me, or the picture that God gave me, um, I put my heart into his hands. So I just saw the hands, but I knew it was God's hands. And I put my heart into his hands, and he held my heart for a while. And then after a while, he turned, and he put my heart, like, into Garmo's heart. Um, and he, but he kept his, his hands there. Um, um. Yeah, he didn't take his hands away. Um, and I felt that God said to me, Molly, you've given me your heart. You've entrusted your heart to me. Um, and I'm going to protect it. Um, but when the time is right, I will give your heart to Carmo. But I'm not going to take my, my hands away. I'm still going to protect your heart. You can still trust me. Um, and so that was my confirmation from God that, that Gamma was his choice for me, um, for a husband. Um, and yeah, this story is really long. Um, like, I haven't even told you a th like a, th a fifth of it. Um, but the point that I'm trying to make is that um, there's a scripture that we, we're going to share about in, in um, Joshua 1 verse 9, and we all know it. It says, be strong and courageous. Um, 
But after that verse, it talks about, um, the Lord says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, um, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Um, and it's all very well. Everybody thinks, wow, Molly is, is like so strong and courageous. The reason why I could be strong and courageous was because of God's word and because I could hold on to God's word. Um, there are really so many scriptures that God was so faithful to come and give me um, throughout my life, but in particular um, a year or two before um, we actually got together and how just being able to hold on to those scriptures, um, being able to hold on to the word that God had given me um, really carried me through a very difficult time. Um, so, um, I'm now halfway through what I want to say. Um, and I need to say it, it's important to say it because, it's, yeah. Um, so we got to the point where Karma said, okay, Molly acts our belong. He's interested in more than just friendship with me. Um, and I said, yes, I'm also interested in that. Um, duh. Um, <laughs> but just then, look at Karma and <laughs> yeah. Um, but then I realized um, I need to go and tell my parents. Um, so I speak to my parents um, over the phone every Sunday night. My dad phones at half past eight every night, every Sunday night. Um, and we have a five or ten minute conversation, just briefly, how was your week, how are things? No, we're still fine, that's good. Um, so, but that's, this is not something that I want to tell him over the phone. I, I want to honor my dad. Um, I really felt that the Holy Spirit said to me, you need to honor your father and your mother. Um, and um, I wanted to tell them face to face that this is what is happening. Um, so in December of that year, I went home to my parents' house in Zimbabwe. Um, and I had a conversation with them where I told them about Garmo. Um, I told them everything about him, not everything, okay, but the important things. Um, and they're like, mm, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, it's good. We're happy for you. Wah, wah, wah. And then I was like, okay, but then there's something else that I also need to tell you. He's not white. And um, my dad got quiet for a moment and he said, that's a problem. Um, yeah, and... <laughs> Um, so God had really um, spoken to me and told me that I mustn't argue with them. I mustn't try and reason with them or try and convince them. Um, there's a scripture in 2 Timothy um, 2, probably around verse 24. You can go and read it, 2 Timothy 2, 24 um, to 26. Um, but it talks about not being quarrelsome, but um, being gentle. Um, and allowing God to bring repentance, a change of heart, so that people are not um, held captive by the enemy. Um, and so 
yeah, it, I really had to make a point of not reasoning and trying to convince them to think differently. Um, and on the morning before the day that I left to come back to South Africa, I was um, having quiet time and worshiping God. And um, in my mind, I had honored my parents because I had told them this, this is the truth, I'm not going to hide it. Um, this is what I'm, I'm choosing to do. Um, in my mind, that's, that's honoring my parents. And then the Holy Spirit said to me, Molly, you have to give your dad the option to say no. You cannot say that you're honoring your parents and you're honoring me if you're just doing your own thing. <laughs> Um, and I'm so grateful to God that he, he really placed within me months before that moment a very deep desire to yield all of my life to him and to allow him to have his complete way in my life. Um, I don't know how I would have done it without God's hand in my life. I don't know, like... He was the one who, who told me to do that, but he was also the one who enabled me to say, okay, God. Um, the Lord asked me, Molly, are you willing to lay down a relationship that you've waited many years before? Jan Lo and I, we know. Um, I'm also not that young. Um, and I was never in a relationship before that. So this was big. Um, and the Lord asked me, Molly, are you willing to lay down this relationship for a time so that I can do a work in the hearts of your family members? Because they need to know what it means when I say that I love everyone and that I give grace to everyone, irrespective of who they are. God's grace doesn't get given to us because of the fact that our skin is white or the fact that our skin is black or the fact that our skin is brown. God's grace doesn't get given to us because our father is an elder who sits in the front of the church. Um, God's grace doesn't get given to us because we never drink or we never swear or because we do good things. God's grace gets given to us. His love gets given to us in such abundance only because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and for that reason alone. And that is the truth um, that God wants to reveal to my family and to, to a lot of people. Um, and so God asked me, are you willing to lay down this relationship so that I can work in your family's hearts and the ripple effect that of that in other people's lives as well? Um, and by his grace, and only by his grace, I was able to say, okay, God, I will lay it down. I will trust you. I've given you my heart. You said you're going to protect it. Um, and so... Um, I asked the Lord for an opportunity to talk to my dad again. And um, that night um, after supper, I, I sat down and I spoke to him. And um, yeah, the, the gist of the conversation came down to um, 
the moment when I asked my dad, like, um, even though I, I know that this is what God wants me to do, um, I'm asking you, are you telling me I can carry on with my own thing? Or are you saying no? And I had to ask that question like two or three times before he actually answered me. Um, because my dad is not a horrible person. He's he's a solid man of God. And um, and he loves me. Um, and and he could see that he he was he was going to cause some hurt um but because he has this principle he can't compromise and so he said he has a way that he does this um he said no he's not going to approve of that and so i had to um come back and tell garmo that and on the drive back it's a very long drive at least like 14 or 15 hours, depending on how the border is. Uh, 14 or um, 15 hours is just to get through the border post. Yeah, it can be. Um, but um, God is really faithful, even in the drive back, to give me his word um, and to remind me of the words that he had already given me, to remind me of the scriptures that he had already given me. Um, and he, he gave me three specific things to do. Um, and um, yeah, come and have supper with us, I will tell you the three and the long story. Um, but Garmo and I had to wait for more than a year um, where we trusted God um, to come and do the work in, in the hearts of my family members. Um, and he will, I think, explain a little bit more about that part of the journey. Um, but we did get to... Um, the point where God released us to get married. We got married in lockdown, hard lockdown, um, June 2020, 2020. Um, um, so, but yeah, um, in that year, um, the Lord was really faithful to, to really carry me and sustain me in that time. There were a lot of moments when I was so emotional and so, you know, like, like you said, your mind goes in this spiral and you have all sorts of questions and um, um, and, and yeah, the Lord was really faithful to, to, to carry both of us in that time um, and to grow us and to, to come and teach us even more. Um, so yeah, we really give God the glory for bringing us together and we know that our life um, our journey um, really is a ripple effect of how God is working in people's hearts and softening people's hearts and bringing this revelation of his amazing grace and his love that is available for everyone. Um, and he is so faithful to do that work. Um, yeah. Thanks, Molly. I just want to quickly give some perspective on one thing. If God tells you, wait for a year and I'm, I'm going to fix this problem, it's long. It's really, really long. If God tells you wait, and you don't know it's going to be a year, then it's extremely long. Because if you, if you don't know when, when the end of that is coming. But the, the truth which, which you just shared so many times is God can come and change hearts. And it gives us the continuous strength and courage to be able to sustain through that time while we're waiting for him to come and change hearts. While we're waiting for him for people to come to salvation. While there's 
Um, also someone in, in church, I remember, told the story, said, my grandma prayed for me for 22 years to come to God, but she never stopped. And I can just testify of seeing that, that strength and courage and, and sustainability in, in your relationship as well. And don't you just love how, how there's no backing away from the difficult subjects. There's, uh, I remember two relationship months or two years ago in relationship month, we also just kept on hitting the difficult subjects. And thank you, thanks for, for not shying away from from the big R word in our community and just saying that this is, how, this is what God has placed us with. And you're blessing the congregation by sharing your testimony. But Garma, you're on the other side of that. Then you, you are on the receiving side of Eugene Terblanche. I'm, I'm just kidding. That's what uh, <laughs> so, um, but also, you are on the receiving side of a lot of grace from God because now you and Molly are married. So how does the, how does the other side of that look? And how, how did God come and minister to you in that time to be able to, to not only just keep your sanity, but to have this relationship with God and also the obedience to him when he says, not now? Wow. Um, yeah, so right now, just to give you guys quick, just a quick overview, um, my grand, my mother-in-law can't wait to like feed me cook sisters and I'm the only one that, that my grandfather will take with him on a tractor. <laughs> Not even his own, my father-in-law, sorry. Yeah, he's so old. <laughs> so I get to drive on the tractor with him and... His own son needs to drive outside in the Bucky somewhere. So there, there are some privileges, but it wasn't, it wasn't always like that. Um, I think Renier just mentioned the word, the R word, um, being racism. And, and everybody thinks re- racism is a bad thing, but there's a bigger R word than, than racism, something that hurts more and something that scares a lot more people, and that's rejection. Um, and, I, and you can understand that when you engage one another, um, when you engage... Uh, somebody of the opposite culture even, um, that you're actually walking into an opportunity and or a myriad of opportunities to be rejected. Um, it's not just from from Molly. So Molly had the opportunity to reject me, but then her parents were there. And then uh, the extended family was there to be rejected. And then there was also my family that had the opportunity to be rejected. So the opportunities for rejection were just numerous. Um, and uh, for any man, um, that, is, that is something very intimidating. That is something that's very real. That is something that can make you run in the opposite direction of anything else. I know a man can have bravery. He can have adrenaline to face a lion. He can face a lot of things. But when he becomes vulnerable and the word rejection comes in and he realizes that there's this very real opportunity to be rejected, that's when his world falls apart. Um, and that's my world as well. To uh, my world was sh- was shaken. I knew I loved Molly. I was fond of her. The way the way she could handle my car on a dirt road, man, <laughs> it makes the testosterone go into the red. <laughs> um, so so I was really I was really fond of her. But the thing is, God was also the one, and he he enables me to take braver steps. Um, nothing in my life has ever been quite easy there was this in my life there's also been many opportunities to be rejected because I'm one of those outshooters everywhere I go I'm a little bit swimming up the stream sometimes I'm the only one swimming up the stream and sometimes I'm fighting up the stream um, but but through that God has really come and consistently throughout my life he's proven me that you can overcome this that this is something that can be overcome um, not by fighting not by warring not by having a bravado or being cool or 
being these great things or having everything in order, but by the fact that he's the one that loves me. And, that say, and he says that I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He's the one that was with me. Um, and he's come to prove that over several occasions and through several seasons that he will never do that. Um, that he'll be the one that, that takes care of me, that takes care of us. And that when I feel vulnerable, that I might be rejected for some other um, insufficiency that I might think I have being married to Molly. Um, and insufficient teenager, not being good enough for my, my parents-in-law or their family or whatever it is, he always comes back and he reminds me and the Holy Spirit confirms to me the fact that, listen, Germa, you are my son. I have delight in you. You are worthy, not because of what you do, what you say, but because you are mine. Um, and it's hard to keep on holding to that truth. Um, it's hard to, to, to maintain it, but there's people around us. Um, that come and, and affirm that. Um, there's also people around us that don't. <laughs> I know some of my best friends told me, listen, if he invites you to go shoot some tarantala, just make sure you take your mother-in-law with you and make sure that she's standing between the two of you <laughs> um, so that you don't get shot. Um, <laughs> but then you also have some friends. <laughs> it's real. It happened. <laughs> but then you also have a community around you that can that, that can uh, encourage you, that can edify you, that can build you up, that can pray with you, and that can demonstrate to you that you're not alone in this. Because we've had many people with us praying through this, um, engaging us, and experiencing this with us. And for that, we are extremely grateful. So, when the fear of rejection comes and just shift it aside, that's your biggest. Thing to overcome when it comes to marrying somebody and committing to someone um, because you are worthy not because of great things or great looks you are worthy because God says you are worthy thanks Carmen I just want to want to build on to what you're saying now there's there's no situation in our life where we deserve God more or less there are just situations where we walk into his will more or less but his grace is there and by you to saying, we're going to honor God in stepping away for now. You are honoring his will and therefore you are abundantly blessed with his grace. Um, and that's a, a, an example which I want to translate to the rest of us as the congregation to say, where in our lives do we say, God, I want something and I want it unconditionally versus God, I want something, but is this what you want for me? Because I cannot think that it was easy that time, Molly, when you came back, tell Germa, listen, God also wants me to honor my parents. And for now, then, well, I, I probably, but there wasn't for now. And that is to not be in this relationship. I, I know that couldn't have been easy. But uh, the reality looks thereof is staying within God's will stays, stays under his umbrella. And therefore, he was able to, or he would have been able to, but therefore, he did come through. And give you that blessing. And that looks different in each of our lives. But the situation, the situation looks different. But the principle is the same for all of us. And, and thanks for just sharing that. And I just want to like capture all of this to, together again. Um, and just bring it home for us. Because so many, so many good truths were shared. And I, and I thank you guys for that. But just as, as a summary. To say that. To, to, to remember that. The world will teach us lies. Many and often. But God brings truth. 
But the only way we get to that truth is, is through prayer. Um, from there sprouts a lot of things, God's word, accountability, speaking to the right people, coming to church. But the first way in which we counter those lies, which the world tells us every single day, is getting into prayer, because God will reveal that to us. The second part is God initiates invitations. He invites us into marriage, he invites us into church, he invites us to speak to people. He will initiate that. But the, the action which comes from that, he allows us to choose. And he says, I'm going to invite you to be this part of my kingdom. Then I'm going to allow you to choose whether you want to step into that or not. And I'm just always reminded of what would have happened if one of the greatest tennis players would have not taken the invitation. We probably wouldn't have known. And sometimes we miss those invitations as well. But tonight I just want to use that, use testimonies to say, look at people who step into an invitation, flourish within God's will, and be aware of those invitations in our lives as well. And then lastly, and um, I, there's probably so many truths locked up in your guys' testimony, which, which we could have shared here, but the last thing which I just want to say is that consistent strength and courage, the consistency in that comes only from God. And we find that only through prayer and a constant relationship with God. And like Molly shared so beautifully, it's not in the moment when she needed God most, she suddenly started praying. Months before that, God started revealing it to her. That's where the consistency of strength and courage comes. That strength and courage was built through seasons, through months, in order to, when I am in this tough situation, God has already put this down into my life, or laid this foundation into my life, for me to be able to have the consistent strength and courage. And that is a promise not only to Molly and Guillermo, but that's a promise to all of us. If we constantly see God, he will reveal himself to us. He will give us that strength and that courage.